This is Behold, a VBC podcast. Our goal is to examine biblical truth that will better equip you to behold the glory of the Lord more fully in your daily life. I'm Sean Helch, and I'm joined by Dan Gillette and a special guest. Without further ado, here is the Behold podcast. Well, hello there, and welcome back to another Behold podcast. My name is Sean, and I got my best bud Dan here, as always. And today we have the, I'm sorry to say, the no longer single, no longer ready to mingle, Mr. David Sunman. Say hey, David. Hey, what's up, everybody? Dude, you're looking fresh, man. You got uh, you got that newlywed glow. And uh, <clears throat> how are you doing up there, man? You, you surviving uh, all the madness that's happening in your city? And uh, has it been super hot up there, too? Uh, it, it has been pretty hot, but actually this past week has just been beautiful. And so I don't envy the situation in California right now. I know this just been so tragic with all the wildfires and everything, but, um, it's actually been beautiful up here in many ways, including the day that we got married, which we did outdoors. It was just perfect. It wasn't too hot. Um, even that morning, there was just like a little bit of light rain, which kind of, you know, cooled it off a little bit. And so it was Mm. just, so things are good. That's cool. And uh, shout out to Jason Wong, who uh, who flew all the way up there and 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 performed the the ceremony for you guys. I heard he did. He did a killer job. He was amazing. I mean, he you know, he presented the gospel and we chose a passage about marriage that, um, you know, is a challenging one for people who are outside the church. But we knew that there were a lot of people there who weren't believers who needed to hear the gospel and needed to hear a biblical definition of marriage. Um, since the world says very different things about marriage. And so he did just a great job of teaching it. And, you know, there were people there who were unbelievers who were like, that was a beautiful ceremony. And I loved what he said. And so, you know, you could just see that when people heard, you know, really good biblical teaching, they couldn't help but acknowledge that it was it was right. So it was really cool. Dude, that's awesome, man. What a great opportunity, you know. <clears throat> that's cool. Now tell everybody what what's happening with with you guys because you guys are kind of in a little bit of a unique situation uh in terms of starting off your marriage yeah well <laughs> she's gone for two months is how it's going uh, <laughs> oh, she, my God. she left you already yeah we had one week <laughs> one week after the ceremony and then she left um now she's in she's in medical school and she's in the air force so she has to do a little bit of traveling to some different um, air force bases where they have hospitals to do rotations there. So right now she's in Las Vegas. I'll actually be flying there for a few days for Labor Day weekend, um, this weekend. And then, uh, the following month she'll be in Florida in Denton, uh, right next to Denton, which is a beautiful, beautiful place in Florida. So I'm going to take a week out there, uh, which will be really nice. So it'll allow for a little bit of an extended honeymoon. So that'll be good. Wow. So so really shout out to all the army wives because you're basically like the the army wife right now. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) That's awesome, dude. Also, uh, shout out to uh, our boys in blue who just uh, drove by and uh, they're probably (laughs) chasing down some kind of madness that's happening. (laughs) The siren was very loud coming through. I didn't even notice that we hear them so often. (laughs) You just tune it out, huh? (laughs) Wow. It's like the Portland anthem. Well, hey, it's great to have you, David. Um, and man, we just had a, a, we're in the middle of a big week, I should say. This last Sunday, we just had our church at the fairground service. If you guys didn't come, you missed out. I'll tell you what, 
it was epic and tragic at the same time. A lot of crazy stuff happened, but at the end of the day, we overcame. God was glorified. Tons of new people came. It was really awesome. Wayne you City can't just out. leave it like that for the people that weren't there, Sean. You have to tell them what happened. Uh, give them a story. Otherwise, wolf. their imagination is going to run wild, and they're going to their their imagination is going to be way worse than what actually happened. After the dinosaurs came, uh, now, no, so his, uh, so for me and Dan, that's probably one of the saddest ones about it in our band, probably because, you know, this is a, a fun big outdoor service and kind of one of the main pillars of why we do this service is to evangelize, you know, to get the word out, to be in the Alameda County Fairgrounds during this big car show. People are walking by, hearing us praise Jesus, all that kind of stuff. So that's a big part of it. And so all we've been preparing for this, we had our rehearsal with the team earlier in the week. You know, Friday, we went over to the church and we're, we're st- stashing all our gear for it, just tons of stuff. We get there at 6 in the morning on Sunday, set up all the gear and do practice and all that stuff. Everything's going great. And then the service starts and in the middle of the second song, so, you know, in the first 10 minutes of the service, uh, the soundboard goes out and it goes out with a bang. You know, like I think Dan and I are both looking around. I think we we're both hopefully thinking like, oh, did we lose power kind of thing? And I turn around and the soundboard is smoking. Like there's smoke yeah. coming out of it. You could it see horrible. and smell smoke. It just so, blew up. It, yeah. <clears throat> that was terrible. But, you know, thank you, Matt Dow, for pivoting quickly. And Charlie was able to give his his sermon amplified, which is great. We had a little bit of simple worship amplified. So all in all, it worked out. It was a good lesson in flexibility and humility for my boy, Dan and I. But yeah, we had a great, great turnout, and um, <clears throat> a lot of people were responding to the message uh, by coming forward to receive prayer, and um, there was just a general kind of um, excitement and uh, just a good, good all-around vibe. VBC Kids was was popping off, tons of kids down there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Amy Weber and her whole crew really crushed it. So yeah, it was fun. <clears throat> but tell them what else is coming up, Sean. Yeah, well, this morning we also had our men's Reveille, which is That's once right. a month, and 6 a.m. to 7 a.m., the true diehards of VBC. I was supposed to be there, but unfortunately I'm sick, so that kind of stinks. But I heard it was great and fruitful and all that good stuff. And then tomorrow we are having our extol night of prayer and praise and worship and all that good stuff. It's going to be epic. Be there or be square, as they say. Right. And we're going to be talking about just the idea of renewal and refreshing before the Lord. I think a lot of us need that right now, need some refreshment in our walks with the Lord, just in our lives in general. And man, praise Jesus that that God and the Holy Spirit can do that for us. So we're going to do that tomorrow together. In sure. unity, one could say. Unity as a church family, mm. Mm. one could say. Speaking of which, on Sunday at Church of the Fairgrounds, you know, Charlie kind of hit a broad teaching of really what life is like with God versus away from God. You know, what does that mean for us? And one of the things he mentioned, which I think Dan might give us a little summary here, but one of the things that he mentioned that we're going to focus on today was how as followers of Christ in the church body, we can have a unity that cannot exist outside of that, which is really special. I think that's what we're going to focus on uh, this morning, but Dan, why don't you take us away? Yeah, of course. So, so Charlie did just a great job of walking us through a famous passage in um, the Gospel of John, John 17, which we um, we call the high priestly prayer. So it's Jesus as our high priest um, 
praying and just um, talking to the Father on our behalf. And <clears throat> it's really cool. Obviously, there's an immediate context of um, his disciples there and in, in, in that moment. But but also these these words that Jesus prays to the Father are are meant for generation after generation after generation of believers that would come. And <clears throat> it's really amazing how you, um, in this prayer, we see these realities of, of the Christian faith, that, that this is Jesus's heart for his followers. And as I was just going through this with Charlie, and, and as I'm looking at it now, one thing that really strikes me is all of these realities, like Jesus is praying these things, like he wouldn't, he wouldn't be praying these things if he didn't believe that they were, they were going to come to pass. If he didn't, he didn't, if they had no hope of, of actually coming to fruition, he wouldn't pray these things. And so, um, Charlie just talked about <clears throat> how our relationship, um, with God forms this, this different kind of life, this quality of life that, um, is, is centered around love and keeps us on mission. And it, and it helps us grow and become more like Jesus through sanctification. And, um, and then he, he just talked about, man, this is, these realities actually change the way we treat each other. And um, these realities help us live uh, this fullness of life um, and, and this connection to each other, just, just like Jesus and the Father have. And it's a, it's a beautiful picture for us as we share the gospel with the world. So, um, yeah, so that was what Charlie kind of took us through at the fairgrounds on Sunday. And <clears throat> I think it really landed with a lot of people. Um, like I said, a, a lot of people came forward and, and received prayer and, and, um, yeah, I just think it was, a, there was a powerful spirit of, of worship going on there. So, um, as Sean said, we're going to drill, drill down today just on one of those aspects, um, which <clears throat> you see from, uh, verse 22 of that chapter. And I'll just read it. It says, um, you know, Jesus is praying this to the father. He says, the glory that you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one, even as we are one. And so we're going to be talking just about um, the, the fullness of life that we share together and, um, and just kind of the implications of that today. So we're going we're gonna to be talking about the unity that we have in the body of Christ um, through Jesus. Thanks, Dan. Yeah, I love that. And even just in that verse, you know, that they may be one, even as we are one. And Maybe a good frame of reference to just kind of set our minds as we dive into this is thinking about Jesus and God the Father and the Holy Spirit, you know, that's essential to what we believe and why we love them is because they are one, right? The triune, trinity, God. And it's interesting because they're not the same, right? They're one, but not the same. And I think that's a really helpful way to think about all different relationships, you know, our Christian brothers and sisters, our relationship with God, we'll talk about marriage in just a second here. But I think that's a common misconception is people get into this like mindset of it's like fight, fight mode. And it's, oh, well, you have to think the same thing as me. Otherwise we're not one. Mm-hmm. But Jesus, Jesus says it right here. That's not the case, right? We're going to, we're trying to mimic them and they're not exactly the same. And yet they are one. So with that in mind, man, someone just got married. I think it's a great, great launching point for us here is I think it's a helpful analogy to look at what unity can look like because you know, the Bible says, hey, the two will become one flesh. You're one now. And yet, thank goodness that we're not the same as our wives, right? Or same as your husbands, vice versa. And I would even say that it's not just beautiful that you're different. It's not just fun that you're different. But actually, I think those differences are 
essential for how God plans to use marriages for the purpose of sanctification and for growth. Dave, I know you've only had two weeks with Rachel officially in person, but have you seen that at all in your marriage? Absolutely. I mean, I would say for the purpose of sanctification, you know, there's not nothing that's more effective than, you know, as far as human relationships go than marriage for that, because you know each other better than anyone else possibly can. You spend more time with each other and do more things together than than anyone else. You're you're with each other constantly, and so it, it reveals, uh, you know, for each other the the places that we need to grow or the ways that we need to to you know refine ourselves in in our obedience to to God. And so, I think it's an amazing thing how marriage reveals to you. Uh, of course, your flaws, <laughs> and then you know your 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 uh, husband or wife can can help point you to God in those things, and it, and it also reveals, in many ways, at least for me, how selfish I am in so many things. You know, because once you're married, then you know when you're unified, you, your goal is to consider the other person in every decision you make. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's a new thing to to want to consider all the time how does this affect Rachel or how, you know, how can I, uh, you know, how can I include Rachel in this, in this part of my life? And so it's a really cool thing in that way. Yeah, that's really, that's really awesome. And <clears throat> I'm sensitive to, to people who might be listening that haven't experienced marriage and, and maybe they, they even want to be married, you know, to, to kind of understand this dynamic. And, <clears throat> you know, one, one encouragement to, to you who might be you beholders who might be single and listening, um, you can learn this lesson from observing godly marriages. And you know, it, it's really important as we as the the conversation of this metaphor of Christ's relationship to the church and of God's relationship to the people of God, like and and it, it, marriage is really a picture of that, right? <clears throat> Instead of being like turning off your brain and being like, well, I'm not married, so I I can't I'm checking out, you know, um, instead of doing that, like really try to conceptualize this, this analogy and in which, you know, the church is united to Christ, just like a, a man and a wife, you know, the two become one. Um, and to, to your point, uh, the two don't become identical, right? How lame would that be if you married Rachel and then she just became like the girl version of you or something, you know, like <laughs> ick, right? <laughs> um, the, we we marry the, our wives and they become different um, even as as we're united, you know. And so, so it's the same way in the church. Like the one, uh, you know, or the many become one, you know. And even though we're united by the gospel and and we're living out the the gospel, it's going to look different. Like we're gonna there's going to be different cultural things and different languages and different kinds of music and and all kinds of different gifts and personalities and. Um, political viewpoints and, and things like that. So um, I think I think it's a great analogy for us. But if you're if you're single and you're like I haven't experienced that, you know, um, I think it, it it's a great opportunity for you to to just learn from 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 the godly people in the church that that are experiencing it. Yeah, I think like thanks, Stan, for for bringing that up. And if you are that person who's single, whether you want to be married right now or not. One thing that I still love doing, but especially when I was single, I really loved doing was just looking around and observing, like, what are the couples, the married couples that I really look up to and I respect and I want to be like that? And what are the ones that I'm like, 
no, you know? Yeah, that's not and, a picture of it, yeah. And I think one of the things you see, at least that I saw, is all of the, you know, mature, respecting marriages that I wanted to be like and people who are like, man, I love that their relationship. They they have, there's a unifying thing and that it was always so clear that that they're on the same team, you know? They're one, they're for each other. And we all know, we've all been there, whether you're married or not, like when you're around someone, a married couple and they're fighting and they're mad at each other, you know, they're, they're, they're not on the same team. That's uncomfortable, you know? And of course all couples fight sometimes. It's in, that's part of the sanctification process for a lot of us because we're human. But one of the things I just wanted to talk about is that how we operate as married people will reflect the institution of marriage, Right. Yeah, how we conduct ourselves in public and hey, do you are do you come off as for each other, as having unity, as as caring more for each other more deeply than whatever this particular issue is? Because if so, then you're painting a picture that marriage is beautiful, right? You're painting a picture that marriage promotes this kind of bond and this kind of steadfastness to all that kind of hard stuff. On the flip side, if you're like constantly fighting in public and you're like just degrading each other as a married couple, well, then you're you're shaming the institution of marriage. You know, why would someone look at that and and want that? You know, which you look at the metrics right now, young people are are less and less wanting to get married because they why why do I need to do that? And I think that's a huge part of it is that they're they're not witnessing healthy, beautiful marriages in their own lives. You know, and I think that particularly is such a parallel to our walk with Christ, you know, and the church, how we operate as a church can completely change someone's perception of the church, right? That's why we're told to be salt and light and all that good stuff. But unfortunately, so many times in, in the Christian world and my Christian brothers and sisters, you see things where people are not for each other. You know, they, mm-hmm. they choose the wrong things to get hung up on and argue over. And it just paints this picture of disunity, which is so just not, helpful, you know? Well, well, and it's, it's really interesting. And <clears throat> David, I w- I'm going to put you on the spot and ask you a little bit about this, you know, just from <clears throat> what you've seen kind of being, being a little bit of a newer believer, you know, um, on that, on that issue of like, you know, just uh, observing the church, right. As you, as you started to come around and as the Lord was drawing you to himself, like, <clears throat> I think it's really interesting in this chapter uh, verse 21, you know, Jesus is talking to the father and he's like, Hey, I want, I want these followers of mine to be one just as you and I are one. And then in the <clears throat> second half of 20 of verse 21, he says, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. And so there's this connection between how we treat each other and how we live in, in unity and what the world thinks about Jesus. Um, and I'm just curious, like, what was your experience, like, you know, as an unbeliever, just watching the church, like good, bad, ugly, like, and how did that contribute to you believing that Jesus really is the son of God? Yeah, that's, that's, that's a great, a great point to, to focus on because I, I feel like that was something that I saw in, um, the church that was very different, even just thinking about a family or a marriage very different than what I saw in in the home when I grew up in in a in a, a home that was not a Christian home. You know, I didn't have a good example of unity for married people from my parents. You know, my parents divorced when I was very young, and it shows that if what you're looking for in relationships is 
simply for your own benefit, then of course, what's the point of getting married? Eventually you're probably going to, you know, not feel the same way about somebody or whatever, and then, Mm. you know, move on to the next person. Unfortunately, that's what happened between my parents. But then I saw people who were good examples of, of being Christ-like and that they were living for the benefit of others. And was to live for the benefit of somebody else, then you're going to continue to hold up your end of, of that relationship. Even when you don't feel like the other person is, is giving you everything that you want. And so, you know, something that Jason mentioned at our wedding ceremony is the idea of a covenant. You know, you know, Jesus is, is the mediator of this covenant with his church. And a lot of people look at marriage as like, oh, it's a contract. Well, you know, two parties agree if, if both, you know, perform the, the duties of their contract, then, mm-hmm. you know, the other person will perform theirs. But in this covenant that we have, it's actually God telling us, even when you're not holding up your side, I'm still going to love you and I'm still going to be faithful to you. Mm-hmm. And I saw that with, with people in the church that they were living in this other centered um, kind of way that was different than what I had ever experienced before. People who were offering their time and, and their, their um, emotional income for the benefit of yeah, the yeah. expectation of anything in return. Um, you know, and I look at like Jason Wong's family and I, I say to myself, that's the kind of family that I want, you know, to, to, to people who are totally focused on, um, serving each other. And, you know, if you, uh, if you ask Susan, you know, like, what are the things that, that cause conflict for them? Oftentimes it's because Jason won't, won't do anything that he wants. He's like, I, whatever you guys <laughs> want to do, that's what I want to do. It's like, no, that's make funny. up your mind and do something <laughs> that you want to do. Um, and so that's the kind of relationship that I want to have with my wife. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and hopefully that is something that the unbelieving world looks into to our church and, and sees, you know, that they, they see, man, you know, these people are also diverse. These people are also, um, I don't know, unique as individuals, but, but there's a real sense of, uh, <clears throat> of self-sacrificial love and there's a real sense of purpose and mission that they live with. And, uh, and I just think it's pretty amazing that like Jesus ties, you know, he, he like leaves the mission in our hands. <laughs> you know, he's like, he's like, this is how people are going to know that I'm legit is because they're going to see the, my life working through the church. Um, it's pretty mind-blowing and and it's a huge responsibility 100 percent. and you know unfortunately sometimes we drop the ball on that <laughs> you know i, I no, never i know we're human <laughs> you know i'm so grateful to be at vbc i think the vast majority of the time i see that unity every single day you know i see that and we're always working towards that but sometimes we drop the ball i'm just wondering have you guys seen any situations lately where some of your brothers or sisters kind of dropped the ball and got hung up on something and then did they fix it or not? You know, and if so, how? Yeah, and we and, and use names if possible. <laughs> Let's just like, if you have their home address or, or mother's maiden name, put it on there. Let's just, what do you call that? Let's dock them. Isn't that what that's called? Dox them, dox them. Okay, yeah. Well, yeah, what do you guys think? So I, I have a story to share. So first, um, I want to give a plug for a book that came out recently by a guy named Shai Lin, awesome Christian rapper uh, from Philadelphia um, and pastor who 
uh, wrote this book called The New Reformation, um, which is providing a basis for how we can achieve ethnic unity in the church. And the reason he calls it the New Reformation is because at the original Reformation, uh, you know, it was all about the five solas and and the, you know, um, doctrinal truths that that bind true followers of Jesus. <laughs> Oh, those same truths should be able to provide a basis for how we can have unity within the church. Mm-hmm. And so it's trying to kind of return to those in order to achieve ethnic unity. Because, you know, Martin Luther King had this, this quote a long time ago where he said, you know, the most segregated place on a Sunday morning in America is in, it, you know, is in church. Um, and, you know, clearly we've, we've made tons of progress since then. But a lot of people might look at the church and perceive that there's, you know, a lot of disunity. But for us, we know that that there is so much unity that that people might not see because you know it's not plastered across <coughs> um, you know, news news. <coughs> anyways, great book. I, I recommend it if you're like me and you see, you know, even as especially over the past year and a half, a lot of ethnic strife in this country, and you want to have a, a response to it that's biblical. Not listen to what the world says about it, but mm. what what is the biblical response we can have? I think this book provides a great opportunity for that. And an interesting thing. My face is actually on the cover, uh, which is really strange because um, the design team goes to the same church I go to in here in Portland. And this is literally how I came up is that they wanted uh, a guy who looked really white and a guy who looked really black. And they're like, who do you know in our congregation? The whitest dude we know. Like, oh, David. I got David. Yeah, we should get him. That's amazing. But don't let my face being on the cover deter you from getting it. It's, It's a wonderful book. Um, but one of the things he talks about is that right now in our current time, our culture, there's there's in the church, there's people who will take uh, two different sides, you know, and, and really it's like kind of the more conservative view on things and the more liberal view on things. And one side will say, oh, you're just a Marxist. And the other side will say, oh, you're just a racist. And you see that, that kind of name calling and this political disunity that's pulling brothers and sisters in Christ away in the church. And about six or seven months ago, um, I was in a Bible study uh, that this exact situation occurred where I had two brothers in Christ um, who were in in an argument in the middle of this Bible study uh, about a non-essential political issue where that was exactly the stance that either side was making. And there was a lot of kind of this how could you be a Christian and be a part of that political party? And either side, you know, has said that, you know, perhaps about the other. Um, and, and it created disunity between these two brothers in Christ where they had this argument in the middle of this Bible study. Um, it took over the whole hour. And what occurred was that both of them kind of pulled away from the Bible study after mm-hmm. that. Um, and of course, for the rest of us who were there, you know, we, we talked about it a lot. We wanted to help try to bring reconciliation so that they could agree in the Lord in the gospel. Not that they would have to agree on everything, but they would agree in the Lord on the gospel, the essential truths of our faith, which should unite us. Um, because, you know, as we know, there are certain things that we shouldn't have unity on. Like if someone doesn't believe that Jesus is the son of God, if someone doesn't believe that we're saved by grace alone through faith, that's something that we should be disunified on. But for those of us who are true followers of Jesus— who believe the truths of the Bible, the truths of the gospel, we should have unity on those things. And this went on for about six or seven months where they wouldn't really talk to each other. And, mm. you know, some of us, you know, tried to encourage them to, to reach out. And anyways, I want to share just a, a great encouragement that just a couple weeks ago, these two men 
got together with a third brother who, who just kind of was there to, to help to, um, you know, mediate that they got together, they admitted their own faults, what was on their side of the street. And they agreed that they wanted to be brothers. They wanted to have unity for the sake of the gospel, for this very purpose. And I'll tell you what, you know, with, with everything that's going on in this country politically, you would not see this happen except for, for the sake of Jesus. You wouldn't see it. Yeah. As in the country, you know, where people are getting further and further apart on these kind of issues, that these two men came together for the sake of the gospel. I thought it was just a great example of, you know, perhaps for a time dropping the ball, but two brothers who focused on their shared relationship in Jesus Christ and letting that be the thing that brought them back. Together. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful thing. Yeah. What a testimony. What, what a witness. That's so cool. Man, and I just love that you just pointed out, like, this can only happen because of the grace of Jesus, you know? This kind of unity only exists, and that's so important for us to remember, you know, when really this is life in general for us, is this is one of the biggest ways we're, we're meant to spread the gospel of the Lord is people look at our lives, right? They look at our lives and the quality of our lives and what's happening in our lives, and when we're told to be a light and be salt in this world, that's what we're talking about, you know? What does being light mean? Being a light in the darkness, shed the light. What does being salty mean? It means that your life is richer and more intense and more flavorful than any other life. And this is what we're talking about. People should be able to see your relationship and say, hey, Sean, Dan, you're politically so different, but you're friends. Why is that? Why are you so salty? You know, why is your life so salty? And we should be able to answer because of the Lord Jesus Christ, you know? So then when we, when we lack that and we get on Facebook and we're just flaming the opposite political party or whatever, yeah, we're just like wasting such an opportunity for that salt and light. Yeah. I mean, I think bringing into the conversation, the first part of Ephesians four, I think is really important to this. You know, Paul starts the section off by saying, you know, I'm urging you, please walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. And I think, I think that what you're talking about there, Sean, <clears throat> is definitely part of that is like, Hey, you, you carry the name of Christ. Like we're, what, what, is, what are we united under? We're united under the banner of Christ. And so, uh, live like that's true. And then he gives these, these amazing, like, um, <clears throat> you know, commandments like, Hey, walk with humility and gentleness be patient with one another, bear one another's burdens in, in love. Um, and, and, and then verse three says, be eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. And so that should really make our ears perk up there. It's like, okay, so we have this unity um, because of the spirit of Christ in us. And we have this bond uh, of peace. And um, <clears throat> it makes me even think about Colossians two, where, um, where Jesus is talking about the the ethnic hostility between uh, Jewish people and non-Jewish people, Gentiles, and there's you know, you know, centuries of like hostility and um, wars and and just negative, uh, you know, connections, and and Jesus is he says I've broken down those walls of hostility, I've taken the two men and I've 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 formed them together as one. And so um, as you keep reading in Ephesians 4, you see in, in verse 4, you see Paul kind of unpacking, like, what is this unity? Because I think, you know, to your point, David, like, 
we could really get that confused and say, oh, man, that means we're supposed to belong to the same political party. It means we're supposed to, you know, think and act and and the same way and have the same kind of cultures and listen to the same kinds of music and 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 be all about the same kinds of things across the board. But Paul says, hey, this is what I'm talking about when I talk about the spirit, the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. He says there's one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And so right there we see that, you know, it, it doesn't say one political party. It doesn't say, you know, one uh, type of hobby. It doesn't say one ethnicity. It doesn't say one, you know, down the line, down the line. Like there are these things that are central and and core to um what we believe about God and life and the church. And those are the things that we, that are meant to um, unify us. And there's going to be an incredible amount of diversity within that. Um, And so I think it's important not to split hairs um, that will cause, you know, disunity um, like you, like you were experiencing in your group, but, but how cool that, um, you know, both parties were able to humble themselves and that they had someone who could help them reconcile. But that's a testimony, dude. That's cool. I think that's, that's an important thing and, and an encouragement for anyone who is experiencing that kind of disunity or feel like, feels like they're having trouble with people who are brothers and sisters in Christ within the church because they feel like they have differing views on, on certain non-essential issues that you really, you have to be willing to step into someone else's space and say mm. like, Hey, I'm not going to put up a wall. Jesus broke down the wall. I'm not going to put up my own wall. Hmm, that's good. I'm going to be willing to step into someone else's space um, in the midst of disagreement in order to, you know, to reconcile and to achieve this unity for the sake of Jesus. Hmm. I mean, this really reminds me of the teaching series we recently went through called Together. You guys remember that? Oh, yeah. And it was kind of all about this. And actually, Mr. David Sunman himself gave a great teaching on part of that. Just oh, about the ghost of Sunman Past is going to speak to us. The ghost. That we'll, I think we'll, we'll link it in the in the description because it's a great listen about how this looks in the body, you know, and how important it is for us to have a, our our heads screwed on right, you know, in regards to the way we view ourselves, the way we view others, and like what our places should be in that. And yeah, back to that Ephesians four thing, Dan, of just that that calling we've been called, that humility, gentleness, and patience. We got to have those things, you know, we can't, we can't effectively demonstrate this kind of oneness and this kind of unity without having that kind of humility and gentleness with one another. And I get it. I get why that's hard when you feel like some things that are important to you are being attacked, you know, which then I think is a great opportunity for reflection about what you're clinging to, you know, Hmm. is what you're getting riled up over and what you're getting defensive over is that the name of Jesus, you know, or is it something that's more about just your, what you perceive as quality of life, freedoms, luxuries, that kind of thing? Because absolutely things are important, but are they the kind of thing that are more important than the unity of the body of Christ? Absolutely not. Right. Mm. Mm. That's a good, that's a good gut check for us. 
You know, <clears throat> one thing that is just kind of jumping out to me as I'm as I'm looking at this text again, and maybe we can just talk about it. it's a little bit of a left turn, but let's see how it goes. So in in verse 22, Jesus says this pretty remarkable statement. He says, the glory that you have given me. So the glory that God the Father gave to Jesus the Son, who's God in, in flesh, um, I have given to them. So so you see this this generous father outpouring and giving to his son and then his son turning and and bestowing that upon upon us and usually when we see that word glory um it it means this like this full expression of of god's nature that there's this um there's this picture or this understanding of of who god is like in all his godness and um i don't know like how does that strike you guys just this this reality that um, us as the followers of Christ assembled into one body, we carry the glory of God. Like, what does that do in your hearts and minds? Oh, man. Well, I, I don't think we can talk about the, the the word glory that's used in this verse without also looking how it's used earlier in that prayer in ver- the first verse. And he's talking about the glory that happened on the cross. Mm. He's talking about the glory that 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 was received because of the work he accomplished in going to the cross for us, right? And so, man, that like so turns up the heat on on the impact that, that glory should have in our lives, right? Mm. When you just said like we carry this glory in our daily lives, like goodness gracious, we don't just carry the glory of oh God is great and He's with me, you know, not just the glory of Oh, Holy Spirit will help me right now. But we carry the glory of God made flesh died for my sins. And because of that, I'm freed from any of these chains of sin, freed from any of these, these needs to have to stand upon the wrong rocks, all these different things. So man, just that, that, that remembrance of the cross, I feel like is such a huge empowerer, huge freer, huge encourager, all those things. Yeah, absolutely. What about you, David? I'd say, man, I'd say it's convicting. You think about like the extent that Jesus was willing to go. Um, to glorify the Father. Or, right? or, or, you know, for his people in order to glorify the Father. Yeah. How far are we willing to go for, for the sake of the gospel? Yeah. You know, like, uh, and, and even to just be more like him in his response in, you know, towards people who are opposing him or to people who disagreed with him. You know, his, his uh, forgiveness and his love and his patience with people, um, mm. just thinking about how patient he's been with us and, and um, what, what he accomplished on the cross, uh, everything that that means for us. I mean, it should, it should be the lens through which we view everything. Um, and, and everything that we do should be for the purpose of, of even being a representative of that glory and bringing more glory to him and, and pointing people to Jesus. Yeah, mm. that's good. That's good. Yeah, and, and I, I I just think too, like you have to go back to just our understanding of, of how the Trinity like functions, you know, and just the the intimacy and fellowship and and eternal connection that they have been experiencing like um forever, you know? And that is Jesus' heart. 
for us as his body, <laughs> you know, for us to be, to be loving each other in such a way and, and, and caring for, for each other in such a way that it, it's no different than, than how father, son, and Holy spirit interact with each other. Um, I mean, that's a high bar <laughs> for us, but, but Jesus is praying it. And so it, it must be possible, you know, to, to walk in. And, um, I think that gives me great hope as I think about that, you know, and, um, you see, you see expressions of it at, at VBC and it's super encouraging, you know, um, just to see, I mean, we, um, I feel like we have a pretty, pretty diverse, you know, body just in terms of, um, socioeconomic backgrounds and, um, people from all over the, the state and even uh, uh, from the country, you know, we have a lot of like transplants people, you know, we've got n new believers, old believers, young, old, in between young families, singles, empty nesters, you know, um, seasoned saints, as they like to say there. And there's an incredible amount of, uh, <clears throat> of, of diversity in that way. Um, could we grow? Could we get better? You know, for sure. Um, but I'm, I'm encouraged as I look at VBC. What about you guys? Hundred percent. Nice. And I think not. it's. Uh, I think it's a, a cool <laughs> thing that, and say, like, hey, it's a good thing to be diverse. Like, yeah. We want diversity. We don't want like, you know, everyone to 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 be the same. You know, whatever. Oh, we only want people who are from this area, or only only people from this. Like, it's actually something that should be celebrated. You know, not like, uh, and even you know in regards to, to the ethnic unity issue, you know, which is clearly something that has been on a lot of people's minds over the past year and a half. What we don't want to say is, Oh, I don't see color. I don't see differences in people. It's actually, it's, it's a good thing. Like God has made a diverse people. He's made diversity and it should be celebrated. And, and we should seek to have unity with that diversity, you know, and, and look forward to the day when there's going to be a people of every tribe and nation and tongue who are all going to be, you know, standing before the, the, the throne of God worshiping. Come on, come on, preach. You know, I mean, it's, 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 it's a beautiful thing to see how God has made a diverse people and brought them together. And something that there's, there's a quote that uh, Shailen had in this book that I thought was really cool. So, so he's talking about how is, you know, a black rapper from Philadelphia, he has more in common with a, uh, uh, a white coal miner from West Virginia, if he's a Christian, then his, his, you know, cousin who also lives in Philadelphia and who also makes, you know, hip hop, but is not a Christian. Right. So if we're Christians, we have more in common with each other than anybody else. Like I have more in common with, with, you know, someone who I've just met, you know, who's a follower of Jesus. than I do with my own family who are unbelievers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know? And so, we, we can have this unity uh, among totally different backgrounds because yeah. of what we've done, because he's unified us in that way. That's so cool. I mean, have you guys ever had this experience where you, you know, you visit, you travel to a different country, um, you know, maybe, maybe on a short term mission trip or, or whatever. And you, and you meet a believer completely different, you know, background and, and upbringing and even sometimes language and, uh, <clears throat> And, and you just have that experience, right? Where it's like, dude, we're brothers. You know what I mean? Like, and I think that's, that's something that many of us can relate to. Um, 
there's this uh, there's this great resource on the Gospel Coalition's website that um, <clears throat> maybe we can link in the show notes as well. But um, it just goes over like I just want to read it because I think I think it kind of maybe it, it sums up what we're talking about here in in a really succinct way. It says. In the New Testament, there are three enduring claims relative to the identity of the church. One, it is founded on Jesus Christ. Two, it comes into being by the Holy Spirit. Three, the church is to cross the fundamental divides of culture, language, nation, tribe, and race. It is Jesus' life, death, resurrection, and ascension that are the necessary precursors and foundations of the church. Jesus is the rock upon which the church is founded. From Pentecost forward, the power of the Holy Spirit, by which the gospel is proclaimed, is the glue which holds the church together and continues to push it outward. From the very beginning of the church, the crossing of language and national boundaries was key to its evangelism and scandalous to a watching world. The church founded upon Jesus Christ is the same as the church brought into being by the Holy Spirit, which is the same as the church which crosses from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to Rome, within the very narrative of the book of Acts. Isn't that cool? Because <clears throat> you, you kind of see like, okay, this is, the, this is the foundation. This is the means by which it is happening. And this is the, the, the key crucial element that there's unity and diversity. And I just, yeah, I, lo- I love the way they put that. And there's a bunch of great stuff to read on that page. They, um, it's kind of like a resource page that, that basically outlines from a biblical point of view what, what we mean when we say the unity of the church. So yeah, we'll link that. That's beautiful. And how can you not hear that description and not say, wow, Jesus is amazing. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's good. That's I good. love that. Well, Hey, maybe this is a good opportunity for you guys listening to just do a little bit of prayer and reflection as you listen right now. And over the next few minutes of just, Hey, how am I operating? You know, am I painting a picture of that unity? Am I pursuing that unity or am I getting hung up on, on other stuff? And maybe a good way for us to close is to just reference that revelation passage again and just paint that picture for us, you know, come on, come on. So here's from revelation seven, nine. After this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the lamb clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. Mm. And then all the angels, all the elders and all the living creatures, they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God saying, amen, blessed blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Man, is that is that the future you're preparing for right now? You know, yeah. are you working towards that unity? Yeah. And let me just say one last thing, and this is a shameless plug. If if it's not too late, if 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 you if you're listening to this uh on Thursday at some point before Extol, come to Extol because singing is such a powerful way for us to demonstrate and express our unity. I mean, you know, you, you think about like all the strange, weird places that we sing, you know, we sing at New Year's Eve parties and, and Christmas parties and rock concerts and weddings and sporting events and stuff. You know, why do we do this? Like, you know, something happens when we sing together. There, there's a, there's a, a unifying 
um, you know, force that happens. And it's way more effective than just if we just like, you know, read words in unison or if we, you know, just kind of like sat in a room and just read something together, right? It's singing enables us to, to extend, you know, spend extended periods of time communicating the same thoughts, the same passage, passions, the same intentions that are gospel centered, these essential things. And, um, we've talked about this before, but it can even have a physical effect on, on our bodies. Like, you know, scientists are starting to discover, like they hook people up to these brain scans and when they're singing, especially together in groups, you know, certain, certain things happen, you, the chemistry of your brain changes. And so, man, come and just demonstrate and express this unity that we have in Christ um, at Extol and, and just sing your guts out with us. I mean, we're going to do it in heaven. Might as well do it here now. Right, that's what I'm talking about. Get a little taste. A little taste of heaven. I love it. All right, guys. Hey, just remember, try to be salty in the world with your relationships, with your unity. And like Dan said, hope to see you tomorrow night at 7 o'clock at the Altamont to worship together. And then we'll see you all on Sunday and next week for Behold. See you later, guys. Peace and love. Thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe for future episodes of Behold. If you would like more information about Valley Bible Church, or if you'd like resources from this episode, go ahead and check out vbc.online forward slash behold. Catch you guys next week.